BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. First and foremost, hope everyone in the greater Charlotte area is doing okay today. Had Hurricane Ian make its way up to the Carolinas, so hopefully everyone is doing well. That comes first and foremost in our minds. Secondly... Happy October, everybody. We've reached a a new month, and it's the month where we're going to start having games, which brings us to today's item, our first game preview podcast of the 2022 NBA preseason for your Charlotte Hornets. They'll be taking on the Boston Celtics tomorrow at 1 p.m., earlier start time. Hence, we're going to put this podcast out a little bit earlier, give it a little bit more shelf life. And helping me on it, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, back for another edition of the HHC. And Rob, A, we're in October. B, wild. we're at games already. Also wild. Kind of crept up on us here, but uh, excited to get it started. Yeah, crazy. And, you know, back to the old ways, just us two, as uh, Sam Purley is Reliving his college glory days this weekend. We won't get into too many details and embarrass him. But uh, no, it's great to talk basketball and hard to believe that we're already playing some hoops that are, uh, you know, not quite mean everything, but they mean a lot for some, especially some of these guys trying to earn minutes out there on the floor. And there's a lot of them. Of course, we'll get into that here in a few minutes. Ton of storylines this preseason to talk about. We'll get into our game preview later. Also want to talk about some of the rule changes that have been put in place for this season. We haven't really talked about that before. This will be our first chance to see how the players react to them, how the game changes. Is it, is it a huge change? Is it smaller on the margins? We'll get into that. But first off, I want to talk about something that is always a focal point, particularly for younger teams, and the Hornets are still a young team, and that is lineup expectations how much do we read in to who 
head coach Steve Clifford sets out there on the floor as the starting five. How much do we read into the first couple of guys off the bench? What should our expectations be for this first preseason game against the Boston Celtics? I actually got a chance to talk to Cliff about the depth of this roster and how many players are realistically having an opportunity to earn regular season rotation playing minutes. So we have, you know, more than, to me, more than 10 legitimate rotation players. So, again, watching uh, all of it and uh, just trying to get the best feel for, you know, how we can put lineups on the floor that will give us the best chance to play 48 minutes of good basketball. It's the kind of problem you want your team to have when you're, particularly when you're young, when you have enough players are, that are this accomplished and this talented that they're pushing each other to get on the floor. That's the kind of thing you want to see. So I, I'm excited to see how it flushes itself out. I don't think going into last season anyone had Cody Martin pegged as the person who would end up being first off the bench or Jalen McDaniels written in stone that he would be a rotation player. Certainly the opportunity was there for both of them, but they earned it during preseason. And there is a good opportunity here for a lot of guys who were either part of the rotation last year or who were not to earn rotation minutes under this new head coaching regime. Those two examples that you just said with Jalen McDaniels and Cody Martin are a perfect example of what you can do in the offseason get ready for training camp, and what you can do in a regular season. I mean, especially Jalen at the end of last season. He came on really strong there at the end of the year. I remember that game in Chicago. He played really well down the stretch. You know, Cody Martin obviously was basically the sixth man for the Hornets. Of course, he goes out and he's a restricted free agent, gets his money, and you know now he's back with the team and he has this expanded role. That just does a lot for confidence, too. I mean, when you're a guy that is a second-round pick, an undrafted guy, those sort of guys – and you go out there and you obviously you make the team, you make an impact, and then you get your second contract. That's huge. I mean, that is something that you know the team is entrusting in you. What more can you ask for if you're in that situation? So there's a lot of opportunity out there for a lot of these younger guys, too. I mean, even Coach Clifford said earlier this week whenever we were getting ready for training camp that Nick Richards has done a really good job this offseason, and he's second behind Mason Plumley at the five spot right now. That's something that a lot of us probably – did not have penciled in. So, you know, the fact that you have these kind of situations, they always arise in training camp. So, you know, maybe we'll see what kind of rises to the top in terms of that. Probably not going to see it after Sunday's game in Boston. It's only one game. We got to see how these guys kind of gel together. They've only been practicing for a handful of days formally, of course. So, you know, this can kind of go a million different ways, but it's a really important time of the season. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this means a lot for a lot of people that are looking and fighting for minutes because there's at the end of the day, you know, you can only put five guys out on the floor at one time. Last year, we did see some instances where that depth was needed, of course, because of health and safety protocols. And of course, you know, knock on wood, we don't have that situation again, but you never know. So it's really interesting just to see how these guys preparing the offseason what they look like going into camp. You got guys like P.J. Washington that lost a couple pounds and are trying to be a little bit leaner as well. How does that affect him? Does he play more of the four at that point? Does he still play that stretch five a little bit? And again, that goes back to Coach Clifford and what his philosophy is as well. So a lot of storylines here, but I feel like I'm rambling on this because it's just you never know. You never know. You really don't. On P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward, players like that, I will, of course, be interested to see how they look. I think the more fascinating battles, if you will, at this time of the calendar is all 
always for that seventh, eighth, ninth spot on the roster. Who will end up being the number two center, the number two wing, the first guy off the bench? Those are the kinds of things that are going to flush themselves out here over the next couple of weeks as preseason games get underway. A couple of other notes for you from what head coach Steve Clifford said. Try not to read it too much into who starts, who's first off the bench, who's playing with each other. This is not so much, okay, here's the pecking order now and how it is now is going to influence what's going to be later. This is still an experimental phase of the calendar. So they're going to see who works together. And also, just because someone goes out there and has a big day, maybe you know scores double-digit points unexpectedly, that might not be an indicator that they're necessarily going to take a big jump up the depth chart as much as how does the entire team function together? You know, if one person's a star, but the rest of the team doesn't work well with it versus this grouping of five players really plays well together, I'd say that's more likely to be replicated down the line than the one individual. But it remains to be seen. It will be a very interesting storyline through Game 1 and all the way through the entire preseason as these players jockey for playing time and jockey for positioning on the depth chart. Another interesting thing, some of the rule changes. The transition take foul is new no more. There's a new light on the scorer's table. What does that mean? We're going to talk about some of the new rules changes that we'll start to see put in place beginning on Sunday when the Hornets take on the Celtics. That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Preseason tips off tomorrow, 1 p.m. tip time. You can, of course, hear the game on the Hornets radio network, in particular our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ 92.7. New rule changes for the 2022-2023 season. One of them was talked about a lot last season as something that I think everyone wanted taken out of the game. That is the transition take foul. That's where a team turns the ball over or has a run out, and the other team, rather than trying to run back and play defense, sticks a hand up in the air, sticks the other one on the player, and says, hey, I'm, I'm intentionally fouling him here. Please blow your whistle or else next time I'm going to hit him harder. And uh, it, it was something that took away the transition play, took away a lot of fast breaks, and some of the excitement, not just offensively with those breakaway dunks, but also defensively, chase down plays, there were less of those because players were not forced to put in that effort. They could just commit that foul. So that has been removed. My one question mark going into this change was how would it be officiated? And Rob, we got a chance to listen to Monty McCutcheon and some of the officials over the course of the the offseason, and how they're officiating this is going to be very interesting. They said the primary factor in whether or not something is a transition take foul, which would give the team a free throw and the ball. So that's the change. You get free throw and the ball now versus just add a foul to the to the ledger. Um, is whether or not the defender is making a legitimate play on the ball. These guys are pretty good at disguising what they're trying to do. So 
Are they going to get dinged with this if they grab a hold of a jersey while they're flying by and stick their hand up in the air? Yeah, that's not a legitimate play on the ball. Can you sell it a little bit more that you are making a legitimate play on the ball and still disrupt things? Yes, you can. And that should still be allowed. But I'll be interested to see if some of these officials take a little license on what is a legitimate play and what they think maybe is not. And this time of the season, you always see it in preseason. They kind of penalize it or they at least enforce it a little bit more than they normally do in the regular season just to make sure that A, players have a clear understanding of it, and B, they're just trying to weed it out of the game in general. So you might see maybe one that's kind of borderline that they're going to err on the side of caution and call it a take foul. I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of it in the preseason because I think a lot of teams have already kind of trained themselves not to do this. But a couple of the things that stood out for me when it comes to this take foul stuff is there's a lot of gray areas, I think. One of the things that I recognized and that Monty talked about at the broadcasters meeting that we went to a couple weeks ago is that teams can challenge to see if a foul took place. However, they cannot review for the criteria to see if that meant a take foul. So, I mean, you can... Basically, you you can challenge whether or not the foul occurred, period. You can't challenge and upgrade it to a take foul. Yeah, so that's that's a little bit of kind of a a gray area for me. The other thing, too, is take fouls are not 1,000% eliminated from the game. They're still going to be legal in the last two minutes of regulation and overtime. And the big difference there is when you're in the last two minutes... You're likely putting a team at the line. Yeah, you're trying anyways. to put them on the line, so Correct. it doesn't matter. You're just and, trying to make sure you get the ball back, more or less. Right. And so, what the NBA is doing here is they're saying that portion of the game, basically, they're not saying to teams, you can't use this new rule to get the free throws and the ball back because yes. that defeats the purpose. So, there, there still will be that strategy element. Uh, if you want to foul someone in the last two minutes, you're putting them at the line, anyways. All this is doing is saying prior to that, when you're not in the bonus, you, you can't commit these fouls and then take away a breakaway and just have the other team inbound. That's not going to fly anymore. Yeah, no, that's correct. So those are kind of where my two big points of emphasis when it comes to the take foul was just, you know, challenging that you can see if it's a foul. And then, of course, you know, the fact that it's still legal in the final two minutes and in overtime as well. And again, because you're probably trying to play catch up in that aspect, but just didn't want listeners or watchers out there to be like, well, why are they doing a take foul with 90 seconds left? I thought they got that out of the game. What's going on? So just a little bit of clarity. Different scenario. I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I think this is going to change pace of play a little bit. I think it's going to change some of those exciting chase down blocks, exciting breakaway dunks that we, we love to see in the NBA. I don't think we're going to see a ton of these called because players are going to adjust. Teams are going to adjust. And it's just going to fade away as it should one thing i think will have more of an impact there is a a new way that they are going to officiate how the ball is put back into play on inadvertent whistles and on challenges the most glaring example was an inadvertent whistle in a game last year between the kings and the lakers kings were about to get a rebound off a missed free throw and there was less than 24 seconds left, so they were trying to basically let the ball move up without the clock running. But they technically did not have possession yet because they didn't touch it. Correct, and the official score accidentally started the clock, and the Kings screamed bloody murder, said, hey, wait a minute, they they started the clock, officials stopped it. That's not an official possession of the ball, so when they put the ball back in, 
it was a jump ball, not King's ball as it should have been. So they've changed that. And they've said also on challenges, if you challenge something, say there's a, a block shot and it's called a foul and then the ball's clearly possessed by the defensive team, rather than saying, okay, we're going to the center circle after you've won your challenge and doing a jump ball, saying, no, the defensive team got the ball. That's what happened. You're going to get the ball afterwards. I think that's going to happen more often, have more of an impact on the game moving forward. Last thing I want to bring up here for rule changes, something new to the scenery. We're all accustomed now to the green light going on, the green light special anytime a coach wants to challenge. There's going to be a blue light now out on the scorer's table as well, and this is going to indicate that a scoring change is going to take place, and now it will encourage the officials to let everyone know about it rather than hope everyone heard as it snuck in by the PA announcer in the midst of play. Yeah, so the replay center will review the play. Then when the blue light goes on, that means that somebody in Secaucus has taken a look at the play. Courtside administrator is going to hit that blue light. It's going to be the same as the coach's light, so nobody get freaked out if you see the blue light instead of the green light and trying to figure out what that means. And then the refs are going to stop the play at the next natural opportunity. So, you know, as long as there's not a fast break or anything like that, hopefully you have the answer a lot sooner rather than later. So, you know, I don't think we got clarity on what that means for overtime after the fiasco we had a little bit with Miami last year, not the open up uh, unhealed wounds for you, Sam, but never get you know, over that one. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm right there with you. So, but I, I don't think we got clarity on that. If that's going to change anything with this blue light, um, because you know, the explanation we got last year was the fact that that play had to be stopped in real time because it was an overtime. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. We just didn't really get a chance to talk to Monty about that. Cause he was such a busy man. But the other things that I thought were interesting that they brought up too were some points of emphasis. They're really going to talk about non-basketball moves again, specifically with screens. You know, sometimes you see that screener kind of throw his hip out there a little bit or throws that chicken wing out there. They're going to really take a look at that. Traveling is always a point of emphasis. You can leave your traditional NBA traveling jokes at the door. Freedom of movement, something they're going to talk about. You know, people grabbing and clutching in the post. People, if they're off balance, same with the screens again. And then just an overall respect for the game as well. And I thought that was interesting because that led into their final discussion when it came to kind of bench control. You know, a lot of times the last couple of years you see benches standing, kind of crowding the floor that sort of thing that's going to be a really big point of emphasis and you know there was one instance last year that the Hornets were a benefit in that Cleveland game where you know somebody that was on the bench grabbed I believe it was Terry Rozier and it ended up being a four-point swing late in the game so you know they're going to talk about that how you can't really have prolonged standing benches can't uh, you know distract people that's going to be unsportsmanlike conduct First one's going to be a verbal warning. Second one's going to be a delay game. And, of course, we've seen delay game warnings and how they kind of can come back and bite teams as well. It might get to the point where we see technicals and additional delay games as well. So, you know, that's just something, you know, those people that sit behind the benches, they pay a lot of money to sit there and half the time they can't even watch the game because you got someone like Boban sitting at the end of the bench that's, you know, blocking you or something like that. So another thing to kind of keep an eye on as we get ready for preseason action. That one actually might have more impact as well because that's something that they're going to have to train players out of. It's one thing to say, hey, you can't grab someone as they run down the floor. That's something that you're going to see practiced out of them. If they even still commit it in practice and scrimmage, the coaches are going to say, hey, we're not doing that anymore. It's kind of a natural thing when the game's getting exciting to stand up wherever you are in the in the crowd, in the upper deck, and if you're on the bench as a player. So that's going to be something that might well, take a little bit. they said if it's bit. a natural thing, they're going to allow it. Like if it's end of the game. Right, I'm saying naturally yeah. the last 30 seconds, players, they're yeah, like fans. They're, they they're start gonna, to stand yeah. up. So it'll be interesting to see. But just some of the things to uh, look ahead to and maybe some of these 
will be a factor on night one, day one, I should say, of the Hornets preseason when they take on the Celtics tomorrow, Sunday the 2nd in Boston. Speaking of which, we've got to do a game preview. Coming up next, we'll pick our players to watch, stat to watch for preseason game number one, Hornets versus Celtics. That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast. As proud members of our community, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation is committed to inspire a giving culture in our region. This is Executive Director Betsy Mack-Rinke inviting you to learn how you can make an impact. Through our Swarm to Serve initiative, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation focuses on education, hunger, military care, and wellness programs. To learn more about how you can help the Charlotte Hornets Foundation and your fellow neighbor, please visit hornets.com foundation today. Hornets visiting the Boston Celtics tomorrow, or if you're listening to this podcast on game day, today, it's preseason game number one, Charlotte Hornets taking on the Boston Celtics. We get things tipped off here on the 2022 Hornets preseason. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, ready to give you the game preview. Before we talk about what we are looking for, players and statistic to watch, let's hear what head coach Steve Clifford said his goals are for preseason game number one. It's the best chance to just kind of see like where are we at. You know, what are we good at? What are we comfortable with on offense? What are we comfortable with on defense? And I'm sure there are things that will that will stick out, you know, playing against a different team uh, that we're not seeing here, just playing against ourselves. It'll be a good barometer for where this team is. Boston has certainly had, they've had a, a different kind of offseason, to say the least, but they're still the defending Eastern Conference champs. A very, very good roster. Even when you look at the guys they signed to fill out training camp, a lot of them have significant NBA experience. It's not a bunch of rookies coming on over there. So uh, this is going to be a good test here for the Charlotte Hornets, which brings us to our game preview. Rob Longo, you're the guest technically, so you get to pick first. We need a player to watch for the Celtics, player to watch for the Hornets, as well as a statistic to watch which direction you want to go first on this first preseason game of 2022. This is, this is a lot of pressure, Sam. I don't know. I mean, this is crazy. Do I pick Blake Griffin since he was just signed on Friday? I'm kidding. I'm excited we, to see Blake. I hope we see him. It'll be fun. I, I, is he going to play Sunday? I, I can't imagine. I, I don't know. I can't imagine he would play Sunday. So let's go with, you know, Celtics player to watch. I mean, I guess if you wanted to, I mean, you could pick your poison between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. I don't know how much of the playing time those guys are going to get today or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But I'll look at a young guy. I'll look at Peyton Pritchard. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that's been teetering in the rotation. You know, he got some playing time in the postseason last year, a little bit here and there, but, you know, obviously had a lot of pedigree and a lot of expectations coming out of Oregon a couple years ago kind of seemed like he was going to be not quite the next big thing but you know obviously you know when you're drafted by a team like the Celtics they obviously believe in you too so you know I think Pritchard's kind of one of those guys that's going to see a lot of playing time on Sunday just because of the nature of first preseason game a little bit of a more veteran-laden roster so you know he's probably going to be a guy that has maybe the most impact out there just because he's playing the most minutes. I'm going to go with Marcus Smart, and the reason is he doesn't really have an off switch. So whenever he's guarding LaMelo, it'll be a good chance to see you know how does LaMelo finish at the rim, say, when an elite premier defender like Marcus Smart is the guy defending him. How easily does he get to the bucket? How easily does he finish when he gets there? Also, if he's defending players like, say, James Booknight, It'll be a really good test to see how much further along James Booknight is now. Remember, we didn't get to see him 
in the pre, in the uh, summer league portion. So it's been a long time since we've seen him play significant, quality, meaningful minutes in an NBA game. This will be a good opportunity if he's matched up against Marcus Smart. So I'm, I'm not looking for anyone to determine the game or anything like that. I'm just saying when they're on the floor. How does that influence things for the Hornets? And I think no one will have more of an impact in terms of grading out specific Charlotte Hornets players, whether it's the starters, second team, guys competing to make the rotation, whatever it is. If you're matched up against Marcus Smart, this is an opportunity to show us how much better you've gotten and how much more you deserve in terms of playing time. How about a Hornets player or a statistic to watch? Which one are you looking for, Rob? So we'll go Hornets player to watch, and just based off of Coach Clifford's comments that I alluded to earlier in the podcast, I'm going to take a look at Nick Richards. I mean, if he's second in command when it comes to anchoring down that five spot, I want to see what he's able to do because, again, Boston's usually a very defensive-minded team. They're not very deep at the center position, hence why they signed a guy like Blake Griffin. I don't know if Blake Griffin can play the five anymore, but you know he's at least big enough that he can play maybe the small ball five there. So with that said, you know they got guys like Al Horford. Robert Williams is still on the shelf, so they don't have a whole lot of depth there right now. So, you know, maybe that's something that Nick Richards can take advantage of. You know, we saw him take advantage of it in summer league a little bit in those couple of games. What's he going to be able to do when it's preseason and, you know, people are finally starting to kind of round into shape and get ready for an 82-game schedule? So Nick Richards is my player to watch on Sunday. I I like it. It's something Sam Perley and I talked about on the podcast the other day. I think we, we have to leave room in our minds for the thought that, Nick Richards has universally been talked about as the guy who maybe improved the most in the offseason. So, you know, don't just say, well, they drafted a player lottery adjacent at the same position, so he's got to play. you you got to be open to the thought that Nick Richards has made the kind of jump everyone's saying he has and is deserving of and is the player most likely to help this team win by taking over some of those minutes. So I'm excited to see him as well. That said, even though I mentioned James Booknight earlier, and I am very, very excited to see what he can do, I want to see the first-round pick. I want to see how Mark Williams looks out there. Uh, You know, what kind of defensive presence does he bring? Does he influence a lot of shots? Does he get some blocks? How does he finish at the rim? Who's he playing with? Is he out there with LaMelo Ball any? And what kind of connection do they have in terms of lobs and dunks and and whatnot? So I'm really excited to see just where he is. I don't think Steve, Coach Steve Clifford talked about it. We played the quote for you earlier. We, We are not at a whoever starts is the starter and whoever's first off the bench. This is an experimental phase. So we're going to see different lineups on Sunday. We're going to see different rotations and how everyone fits together. And how does Mark Williams fit into that? Does he look like a rookie? Does he look more uh, like a veteran who's ready to contribute now? So that that's the player I'm most looking forward to seeing. Last but not least, we need a stat to watch. Stat to watch, kind of going an overarching theme. This is what Coach Clifford had to say earlier in the week about what he felt like needed to change with this Hornets team as he's been taken over in his second stint as the head coach of the Hornets. We talked about today, our goals are going to be this. Top 10 in defensive rebounding, top 10 in second chance points, of which last year I think we were like 12th or 13th. They were pretty good at it. And top 10 in transition defense. If we do those things and then just play a little bit better in the half court, the other end, then we'll give ourselves a chance to take a step. So Cliff covered a lot of areas there, but the one that kind of stood with me was the defensive rebounding. I thought that the Hornets gave up a couple of 
second chance point opportunities last year that they probably shouldn't have. And again, that's all of a philosophy thing. You know, are you sending a wing out down the floor to try to get a quick bucket, especially with a guy that has vision like LaMelo Ball? Is this person coming in to crash? What does that look like when the ball goes up in the air and that shot comes off the rim? You know, where is everybody out on the floor? So I'm interested to see if there's any sort of tendencies that change in that regard. It's one of those things where it's you go out, you play basketball, you see what is good, you see what is not good, and then that's where you start to kind of nip and tuck at the things that you need a little bit more improvement on. All right, so defensive rebounds, your pick. My, my stat to watch here, it's Melo's minutes. I want to see, and and again, this is kind of like w- with my Marcus Smart pick before, how players perform with him as their primary defender is going to tell us a lot about where people are and what they can do out there on the floor. Similarly, uh, while we are in an experimental phase, we know LaMelo Ball is the star of this team. So if someone's playing a lot with LaMelo, players like Terry Rozier, we expect to see a lot of those two together. That's a good indicator of what a rotation is. So are there some surprises on who plays with LaMelo? Does Mark Williams get a lot of time with them? Or is Nick Richards getting more time with them? Or is Kai Jones getting more time with them? How are these different groupings working together? I don't anticipate we're going to see 35 minutes of LaMelo Ball out there on the floor. But however many minutes it is, 15, 20, whatever... Who is playing with him at different times, I think, is going to be the best indicator of what does the rotation look like. I don't think anything's anywhere near finalized right now, but it'll be a good gauge of where things are. If we don't see a specific player that we might have anticipated playing with LaMelo, maybe it's an experiment to give some other guys a shot, or maybe it's an indicator of where things are. It'll remain to be seen. It'll play out, but that's one thing I'll be looking for for game number one of the preseason. Hornets versus Celtics. This one, I believe, will be on NBA TV. If you have it and wherever you might be, you can always tune in on Sports Radio FNZ 92.7 on the Hornets Radio Network, and I will have the play-by-play for that one. The preseason has arrived. We can't wait to get back to work. Looking forward to it. Rob Longo, thanks for helping me preview game one of the preseason here today. It is a privilege to preview that first preseason game with you. That's a lot of peas in there. Well done. Mid-season form already, Rob Longo. Thanks to Rob. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. And we'll talk to you next time breaking down game one of the preseason Hornets versus Celtics on our next edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.